looks like you like to get up early, so Monday through Friday, listen to me from 5.30 to 9. Mike Ferguson here, and you are listening to The Randy Tobler Show right here on News Talk STL. Well, guess who else you hear on Mike Ferguson in the morning? You hear Gabe Pfeiffer, and he joins me now. And uh, thank you, Gabe, on a Saturday. You thought you could get out on a fr- on a Saturday, but you can run, but you can't hide. I know how to find you. Thanks for being with me, brother. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, so, you know, we've been having some pretty hearty discussions. I know you guys have been discussing it on uh, on uh, the Ferguson show, too. And, you know, it's uh, the, G- the GOP and RNC appear to be lost in the wilderness in terms of how to win elections for what are we talking about? Four running, 18, 20, 22, 23. Um, what's your analysis of that? I mean, it's just what's the what's the big high level view just from a just from a diagnosis standpoint? What's going on? Well, there seems to be a little bit of the standard uh, GOP ability to to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory and to fail in their messaging and to have really bad ground games. That seems to be a kind of a standard that uh, uh, none of the candidates, none of the campaigns seem to, re- you know, are, are refusing to break that uh, cycle. Um but uh, uh, on top of it, though, I think there's a there's absolutely failed leadership by Ron McDaniel, um, you know, from from based on the reports that that they refused to send money to West Virginia, of all places where they really needed that support uh, just speaks to the mismanagement coming from the top. Uh, somebody suggested, I think one of our callers suggested that maybe Vivek Ramaswamy should uh, should abandon his uh, presidential aspirations and go for chair. Yeah. Hey, that's an interesting thought. You know, I I was talking with someone the other day who's an RNC insider from way back, and I'm going to bring him to the air when I can. Uh, I, well, I just have a little more work to do, and I want to I want to make sure I frame and do the interview properly. Um, but but I mean, he's a long term patriot uh, and and G and RNC activist. Um, he claims that there's a cult of. Um, the, the, an industry around the RNC that is uh, really doesn't care whether they win or lose. In fact, if they lose, it's even more for the people uh, that are just sort of part of the little party there that's, uh, you know, having their lavish gatherings. And, hey, uh, a loss is another opportunity for fundraising, you know, because it, it generates more fear and more, oh, my gosh, the sky's falling. Send us more money. And, of course, there's, uh, you know, the consultants win. uh yeah, they're sort of like lawyers and brokers. You know, they win no matter who loses, you know, and not all brokers, but I'm talking traditional stockbroker, not financial wealth guys like Bob and Eric. But you know what I mean? The guys that uh, they make a commission, whether you stock that you buy win or loses. Right. Absolutely. And um, actually, that was and the, so uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? I think there's a self-serving conflict of interest industry in that uh in in the GOP, and um, I, I maybe it needs to be busted up, and maybe it's too dominated by the Trumpians. Oh, I said it. There you go. What do you say? <laughs> well, it, it's funny because uh, when you mentioned that uh, that financial advisor thing, you know they they win whether you win or or lose. Um, that that was exactly what I was thinking at the time uh, when you started ans- asking your question because it, it it seems as though that that might be part of the deal. Um, you know, the consultant class, uh, the, uh, the 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 party class, I guess they they raise money off of all of our failures they they raise money off of all of the uh, crazy things that are said by the the crazy lefties who've managed to get into government so they're they're having a field day with this at least financially uh as as uh you know normal scared americans are, are looking at their their country going to pot and they're like all right you guys said you're gonna save us so, so here's here's a few bucks and give you know i'm gonna give you a chance to do it they're just living the life i guess um and and not really caring what the outcome is when it comes to uh, uh electoral victories and and legislative victories so 
uh, I, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. The more, the more I look at the way the political classes have been operating, the more it feels as though a lot of the, the outcomes that we're getting are deliberate. I think so. And I want to be perfectly clear. Let's follow this metaphor. Okay, so there's your traditional 1970s, 80s stockbroker. Hey, I got a hot tip for you. You know, and then they get, you, they, they place the bid and you buy the stock and they get a 10% commission. Okay. That's been replaced with the likes of the Bobs and the Eric's. And I have a long term friend, uh, you know, that, uh, that has been my financial advisor. And they have a different model. And that model is truly a shepherd by your side, looking out for your long-term, strategically long-term gain, not just the up and the down of the market, but let's think about strategically and your overall picture, where you're at. I'm not sure there are any of those kind of consultants analogously in in the high-level political movements. I just I'm not sure of that. And I don't know how to break it. But I mean, we need someone maybe maybe a Vivek Ramaswamy. He doesn't need anyone's money. He's got all the money he needs. Maybe you're right. So here's the other theory that I've had. And I wanted to test this against you. And this is the one that I mean, this gives me this keeps me up at night, Gabe. Could it be that the electorate now, even the so-called center right is actually they'll never admit it. But they want to be on the dole just like the left. So they're going to vote for rhinos, for people that continue to capitulate. And now our representatives are just representing a uh, redistributionist electorate. What do you think? Oops, sorry. Um, my mute was on. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to that. There's there's a lot going on where it, it feels like, you know, kind of like I, I was just saying that 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 the. The people running the show are are doing these types of things. They're they're losing elections. They're they're just kind of uh, uh, they're losing legislative battles. And it seems like they're just doing this deliberately because it it, it doesn't seem like it's is as hard as they are they're making it. So it, yeah, but but it, Gabe, it, it let makes, me ask it, you this it, though. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe our elected representatives at both the state and the federal level are just reflecting a fact that hey. I'm a middle class suburban mom and I'm going to offend a lot of people here. I do the same with with uh, hospitals. I do the same with doctors that accept uh, the federal funds, although I, it doesn't pay the bills. I don't know why they continue to. Um, uh, and farmers who are f- accepting the USDA handouts, you know, I mean, um, could we, I mean, there are a lot of Republicans, Gabe, who think that subsidizing child care, a new third rail, a new Social Security, a new Medicare. They think that's absolutely in the pale of conservatism. Really? What say you? Oh, yeah. And and then then you have uh, uh, Trump d- declaring that he wants to start a brand new college system that's going to be free and federally funded. That, oh, that my God. We've, we've, yeah. <laughs> we veered so far away from uh, true um a small government conservatism on our side, uh, as we try to appeal to sort of the, the populist middle, um, that we're, we're courting these massive government programs on our own. And that's, that's what got us in trouble so many years ago when we would have resurgences of, of, uh, of small government thinking, at least on some level, but then we'd always capitulate to the bigger government, yeah. uh, 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 system. So we, we'd create a new entitlement. We'd create a new department. We'd create a new something or other. Every, every, major republican uh, presidential administration has done one or or, or both of these things so yeah. um yeah i think i think you're right there's there seems to be there doesn't seem to be a true small government conservative movement yeah. when it comes to actually getting to the top 
So we need to, but I mean, this is going to take a monumental, that's why I'm glad you're on with me, because as I said before you came on, uh, you know, in the last segment, okay, we got a rocket scientist, a man of faith. Uh, that's a great combination for coming up with the secret sauce to message how, while it may, it, it's sort of like, uh, sort of like, uh, sin, uh, the way the electorate is voting, right? Sin mm-hmm. feels good in the moment, whether it's mm-hmm. a sin of the flesh, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, bearing false witness against your neighbor. It's, eh, it feels sort of good to gossip about old Joe over there. And I heard he was, uh, whatever, whatever, you know. Yeah, that our primal instincts are to be sinful, but we've always looked to a higher authority, some curb on that kind of behavior. Uh, maybe you can figure out a way to show that this, this current sin of taking from other people, plundering from the tax, the treasury, which is, of course, on the side, you know, coming from other folks, that may feel good right now, but in the long run, doesn't work out real well. Can you message that, Gabe? I'll vote for you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm working on it. I mean, the, the the best I can I can come up come up with the best analogy I can come up with is is the the plight of the gym bros. Uh, I don't know if you've been been aware of of what's been going on in social media and things like that. All the all the fitness channels and the fitness influencers and those types of people they've been trying to and managing, I think, on some level successfully to to. Uh, push the idea that you actually have to eat right and work out and then your life will be better. <laughs> now, and, yeah. and, and here's the thing that, that's, that's difficult. That is difficult to do. It's a long-term investment. You don't get any benefits. Those first, that, those first three days in the gym, you know, like we see every new year's, uh, uh, that comes along those first, uh, that first month in the gym is packed. Everybody's trying to do their thing, but you can't hold on to that long-term unless you're actually dedicated to, to doing the hard work to get the long-term gain. So, so, you know, and, and what the uh, so that's kind of what the small government Republican uh, messaging is. It's basically I, I think America should should go on a diet and get to the gym every day while the Democrats are out here saying, hey, uh, free cookies uh, <laughs> over here. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a tough sell. But we, we have we have to make the case about good lot, good living. We have to make the small cases. You know, you have the the before and after pictures, right, that usually inspire people. We, we need to look at the the states, the uh, cities, the counties that are that are run in conservative ways that are doing the hard work. They're really, really successful. And we need to highlight those in very, very real ways to individuals so they can see themselves in that position in the before and after picture. Yeah, you're right. And it's just a matter of maybe having people look into their own souls and realizing that, boy, instead of instead of reminding people how bad it may feel when you're dependent, and there are times when you need to be dependent and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. We all have times in our lives where we need to ask for others' help. But we always realize that, hey, that should not be your default way of being and how good it feels to, no matter what you do, in any aspect, when you, it's how fulfilling it is to accomplish something, to achieve, to, to put your own bread and butter on the table by working that second or third job or staying home and not making that check when you just transfer it over to the daycare provider. And oh my gosh, how rewarding and joyful it is to raise a child in especially those first few years. And then mom can go back to work. What a novel thought that is. And, but it's, it's these days, Gabe, as you know, that is being thought of as absolutely draconian autocratic um, theocracy talk. And and to me, it's only anthropologic talk. I mean, societies for long uh, over history have shown that, uh, you know, a nuclear family 
with the children raised largely by a mom with the support of the dad seems to be a good formula works out well not that you can't work out the other way but boy it's a harder it's a harder slog when you do well, science proves the biblical model of living is the most successful. I mean, every every sociological study, when you actually get down down to to nuts and bolts, the if you make choices that follow a biblical model, your life will be better, your children's lives will be better, you will be happier and and more fulfilled. And it's kind of it's kind of clear, but people don't like to go there because it 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 impugns everyone who chooses otherwise. But um. I think uh, another maybe uncomfortable uh, long-term sort of hard work sort of thing that we need to implement is at the political level in that the the uh, the, the conservatives, the the Republicans of the world of, of America need to do the same type of long-term thinking that the left did in that you, you infiltrate and capture the major institutions and then you have an ideological foothold upon which to build your um, your version of America. Uh, so we, we seeded that ground a long time ago uh, academia uh, k-12 through education uh, entertainment uh, and the media we seeded that all of that to the left and now we're we're expecting to break through the uh, the ideological indoctrination that uh, individuals have gone through their entire lives so now they're in their 20 somethings trying to make it in the world and they see the problems but they're you know they misdiagnose it because of their worldview and they and then they they vote for people who are going to empower government to try and quote fix their lives so if if we trying to deprogram adults is is a lot more difficult than trying to properly educate children. So maybe we should focus more on these, these short-term victories at school boards and, and uh, dismantling the, uh, the, the K through 12 education system as it currently stands. And then maybe in the future in about, you know, 20 or 40 years, we can look forward to our, our uh, conservative uh, conservative party actually making real headway in Washington. Talking with Gabe Pfeiffer, you hear him every morning uh, here on News Talk STL, along with uh, Mike uh, Ferguson and Mike Ferguson in the morning, and of course uh, Stell. Hey, uh, okay, I got I got to touch on this hot button issue. Sure, I, I think sometimes, boy, oh boy, I get myself in trouble here because, man, you know, I've I've always found abortion so abhorrent, never participated in it, and I know what it's like when it's done. It's just so grisly, terrific. Nonetheless, are we at risk of in that realm, and I'm by we, I mean the conservative movement, the pro-life movement, are we at risk of um, grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory after the Dobbs decision? that We've seen it one after another. It looks like it's coming at us like a freight train, you know, coming the other way um, next year here in Missouri. Um, of, of having best be the enemy of better, better being the enemy of good, and is there a place to have a discussion about a consensus position limiting it to first trimester, 12 uh, weeks, whatever, so that at least we can get the ability to restore the economy. Because I fear that with these no holds barred, um, you know, uh, abortion uh, uh, things that are passing, along with a failing economy under Democrat leadership, if it takes hold, there'll be more and more and more children than we could have ever imagined that never see the light of day outside the mother's womb. Where do you stand on that? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while now because, you know, I, I totally understand the idea of a sort of political pragmatism uh, uh, and, and incrementalism that goes with um, what some of people are, are calling for uh, to, to stave off the sort of uh, failures that we've been seeing uh, across the country in state referenda. But then I was thinking. 
Well, here, here's here's something. If if you did uh, as a legislature, as a state legislature, propose the the middle ground position so as not to offend too many people, so as not to uh, 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 gin up the public to to kind of revolt and, and go with these re- various referenda. And you took that middle position instead of the the absolutism that we've been seeing mm-hmm. in some states, um, you'd still get the campaigns to add it to the Constitution of the state. You'd still get those campaigns. The, the, the radical abortionists aren't going to accept any limitations. We've seen this. Um, even, even if you say, Hey, let's, let's go to 20 weeks, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like, let, let's make sure that abortion providers, you know, are actually have it ad, ad, admitting rights at a hospital just in case something happens. They hate every single restriction. So we're going to have the opposition and, and their messaging is really what's, what's been working. Their, their, their willingness to throw money and bodies at that. Uh, th- those efforts is what we've been seeing winning. It's not so much that uh, they are so much more convincing and, and the public is, is, uh, is, is being swayed by their, by, you know, the strength of their arguments. It's just the, the volume of their arguments that's probably uh, leading here. And of course the political trickery that's involved. If yeah. Ohio, although I don't a, know, a more, Gabe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gabe, you know, I don't know though. I, I, I hold the, our, the, the GOP responsible for not having an alternative and more, consensus based uh and still allowing for legislative intervention saying you know an ip that maybe would compete and i think it would compete favorably something to the effect of hey this state believes that there shall never be an abortion more than 12 weeks and that then leaves some wiggle room to continue to ratchet that down legislatively you know i mean again it's just there was no plan it was like the gates maneuver it's like we're well, going to pull the pin on the grenade and i don't know we happen to be in an elevator i don't know it's going to explode but whatever there didn't seem to be a, a competitive uh constitutional amendment out there that was floated that i think could win both in kansas and uh, 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 uh ohio but at any rate i i hear what you're saying i think what i hear you saying is look let's Stick by the virtuous, true north principle. Let the culture experience the ravages of depravity, and maybe that'll bring it around. Is that what I'm hearing? Natural consequences? Uh, maybe a little of that. But, but more so, <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think our calculation on the political pragmatism may be wrong. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, it may be that uh, it's 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 all or nothing, and you know, let's as long as we're going to lose, let's lose virtually, uh, virtuously. Yeah. Hey, Gabe, mm-hmm. I wish we had more time. I really enjoy these conversations. Absolutely. Thanks for getting up early and being on. Can't wait to hear you Monday morning, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much, Randy. All righty, uh, it's eight twenty-four. We're on a little late, but that was an important discussion. I always love those conversations with Gabe. Uh, we'll be back and talk with uh, Brian Fretwell, who is uh, leading a movement along with one I'm a part of, and that is uh, restoring your health care to your control. What a novel idea. We'll be back and talk about it in a minute. Hey, it's Vic Porcelli. Come hang out with Ken Williams and me every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11. But right now, it's back to the Randy Tobler Show on 1019 and 941 News Talk STL. Well, welcome back to the program. It's 828 and a pleasure to introduce to you all a good friend of mine and uh, a pioneer in the movement that I am a part of as well. 
And that is uh, none other than Brian Fretwell. Uh, he's a physician assistant, a, a public health expert, and longtime clinician, and now CEO of Direct Primary Care Associates in Cleveland. But we're not talking Cleveland, Ohio, right, Brian? Welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Thank you for having me. Yes, that's Cleveland, Tennessee, of all places. <laughs> and uh, you have, uh, with, a, with a start of a direct primary care practice uh, in one location, you've expanded to now several locations. And, uh, you know, I, w- I was at a conference uh, up in uh, Minneapolis. I didn't get a chance to run across you up there. I think you weren't able to make that one. But this movement of what is called direct primary care is growing leaps and bounds. I'd like you to talk about it. I've talked about it, but I think you've been really at the point of the spear. And let's talk about the virtues of that and why folks at this time when they're looking at insurance re-ups, whether they're employers or employees or independent contractors in the gig economy, why it's a good idea to look at alternatives, including direct primary care. You know, building a, an insurance product around direct primary care and what that looks like, especially for companies and, you know, the benefits package as a whole, that's been the, the biggest boom um, really for direct primary care and the biggest, uh, the biggest change, a positive change that's happened within this. Um, I'm sure your listeners know about direct primary care, but, you know, very simply, it's it's care, not coverage, okay? So being able to add um, your doctor, your clinic, you know, with all the value that that adds and having that direct access to your clinician for the folks that work within your companies or the companies that are out there, people... The, the decision makers within the company, they get it. They get it when, when, you, when they have that information. Now, how that's grown direct primary care, specifically about the question that you asked, is how that's built into the insurance product. Insurance being um, a, a benefit of all companies and packages that, that employees are looking for, potential employees are looking for. When, when those companies can add direct primary care, they are literally adding their own clinic. And within our direct primary care sphere, we have a, a, a thought process that's either near site or on site. If you're a large enough company, you can have an on site clinic with direct access that is that company's, but a near site clinic being close to the facility at which people work. And even remotely, those folks working remotely from home having a central hub, a clinic that they can come to as a part of that insurance product, how that lowers uh, companies' costs is they can move that deductible now out. Now, we know just by basic statistics that only about 12 to 18 percent of people who are covered by insurance actually meet their max out-of-pocket deductible we're paying right. you know 75 80 percent um for 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 folks who just don't even use the insurance product but we can move that insurance deduct or, or i'm sorry move that insurance premium up a little bit add in the direct primary care and now you have a comprehensive and complete health care model Again, not an insurance per se model, a healthcare model that puts direct primary care in the center of what it is that we do. And the and, employees and you know, have direct access to healthcare. And you know what's so exciting about this is while all of the politicians and, oh yes, even those gorilla behemoth insurance companies give lip service to access. Yeah. I know you see it every day, Brian. I see it every day, and it is so rewarding to have to provide real access, have a real relationship, just like doctors used yep. to before the government got involved in this. What five decades ago, um, and and making a difference in people's lives and doing primary prevention, 
helping people avoid disease in the first place and being able to deal with it earlier before it becomes tertiary. Oh, my gosh, I've got to go to the hospital now and get some major things done type of care. So people are saving money. They're saving their health. uh, And I I just find it the most rewarding thing else ever. And I know patients are appreciating this type of medicine. It's good old-fashioned medicine, plain and simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. And where the rubber meets the road, and, and exactly what you're saying, where the rubber meets the road is the patient and the relationship with their doctor. There's nobody now standing in between that. Um, when, when you move that risk away from a, a, an intermediary, a third party that says, hey, you can do this. Hey, you can't do that. Hey, to get to this point of wellness, you have to have this step done first. That's gone. And in that direct primary care model, this is exactly what patients are wanting. And when we added back in the value, the value of what it is that we do, the value of direct access, time, effort, energy, and affordability. And again, the two biggest things across the country in every research and everybody points to access and affordability. In my mind, direct primary care is the leading edge, the tip of the spear, if you will, in changing that mindset of, of, of addressing that issue and getting patients back to where they want to be, and that is the center of their health care. Yeah, and let's talk about how much, how little distraction primary care clinicians and their staff have because you jettison having to march to the, the drumbeat of the government, check the box, send in the compliance yep. document, make sure you're coding everything right. Yeah, I mean, we still sometimes have to go to bat in in terms of patients when they want to use their insurance, if they have insurance as a backup, traditional insurance. Um, and we do try to help them in that regard. But to try to take away all the noise and the distraction and just have a direct relationship, that means time-rich visits with folks. My average visit mm-hmm. is 20 or 30 minutes now, whereas in the medical mm-hmm. industrial complex world, and everyone listening knows this, a 7 to 10 minute visit, wow, that's a big day when you get 10 minutes with your doctor. And that's just not yeah. the reality in, in the direct primary care world. And that's, it's it's really refreshing. Um, and there's more and more benefit plans that are incorporating this. But Brian, you and I both know that the insurers are fighting against legislation to make this more accessible, aren't they? Uh, at the federal level. They are, and, and and the root of it comes from the interpretation of the way, that, what they're leaning on right now is the interpretation of the way the IRS looks at direct primary cares. They're the only ones that look at direct primary care as insurance, and again, we're not yeah. insurance. Um, there, no, there are not. certain faction of folks that look at direct primary care as a huge disruptor to a system that is dependent on within the system, people to, to make decisions, and obviously people to make their living, people to make money, okay? And what, what we're really trying to do is take that middleman out. Take out the fingers, the, the folks of the fingers who got their, their fingers in the pie that have absolutely no education, no decision-making within the, the medical complex itself. And when I say the medical complex, I'm really only talking about two people, and that's the healthcare provider and the patient. And getting those, yeah. patients, those folks out of that relationship and giving them patients that the the true autonomy is right now it's a false autonomy and the government is regulating that and now we want and listen i'm not saying that that there there should not be any regulation at all that's not what i'm saying but you know what the way we're doing it we know it's broken we know it's broken and to get those regulators out of there get them out of the way and let us practice medicine the way it was intended to be practice medicine and get patients better and keep them better right now we have a reactionary healthcare system i.e 
hey, I don't know how much it's going to cost me. I don't know how much time I'm going to have to take. So I'm going to wait and let's see if this gets better. Direct primary care turns out on its head. Direct primary care yep. says, no, come in when you're well. Let us keep you well. It doesn't cost you any more. As a matter of fact, it costs you less. The more you see us to, for us to get you well, keep you well, or keep you maintained in a state of wellness, even if you have high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, asthma, COPD, let us get you better and keep you better instead of waiting until you have a problem and then we do something about it. Yep. Well, I'm uh, I'm thankful for your leadership in this field, and I think it is growing. Uh, I mentioned that conference in Minneapolis this year, and uh, this yeah. was the first one I'd been to. But people that have been to previous ones, Brian, <laughs> uh, said that. And this year, the American Association of Family Practice was involved, deeply involved in the sponsorship. In fact, you had to have a membership there to be or register with them to be there. And what that tells me is, and and the room was filled and it was loaded with younger yeah. clinicians that are wanting to take better care of patients rather than get involved in the jungle and older guys uh, like me who are having a second life as uh, wow oh this right. is like a, a new a rebirth and patients are feeling it too uh, now we have to we have to switch uh, we have to switch gears here uh, because as much as sure. I love you brother um, you're a Tennessee <laughs> volunteer fan and you're going to be going to the game today. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with it. What are your thoughts? Listen, who's going to win? If my thoughts are: <laughs> it's a great game. They just it, listen. It was a you pick 'em game a week ago. Um, I'm not a gambler, um, but I, I watch the points. <laughs> I see what the the, the, the the statisticians are saying. It started at one percent or, or a one point game. Today it's a two and a half point. They're saying around 58 points are going to be scored in this game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a very close game. It's going to come down to who has the ball last. And, boy, I pray that uh, the good Missouri fans are going to get absolutely sick of hearing Rocky Top today. Go balls. I have a big ball. Well, Huge balls fan. One thing we can – It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I know you're gonna uh, you're in town. You're gonna be on your way up to Columbia. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy yes. the game. And thank you, thank you for your mentoring for uh, as we get our practice going. Thank you for your Absolutely. leadership in the whole field of direct primary care. We look forward to more discussions. Brian Fretwell, thank you, thank thank you, you so you very so much. much. I appreciate it, Doctor Tobler. Have a great day. All right, you too, Brian Fretwell. And uh, you can hear the excitement. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to look into direct primary care, uh, there's more and more practices, uh, you know, like our body of health and others that are that are uh, popping up. Uh, it's availability and access when you want it, not on the banker's hours that most doctors' clinics uh, uh, have. And uh, the, the same kind of, I think, disrespectful behavior that not this is not about doctors and their staff that are bad people. They're just distracted people trying to insulate you from a broken, rationing, profit-driven to the point of ruining your health system. That's what this is about. And uh, we've got we've to be a part of disrupting it because there is, as I like to say, a better way. Okay, we'll be back in just a minute and uh, take your phone calls. 314-912-1019 here on Newstalk STL 1019 Talk lines are open now at 314-912-1019. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Welcome back to the program. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, various offerings this morning. Stay in touch with us. 
on Twitter at Randy Tobler MD um, and the Facebook page as well for the Tobler Show. Quentin uh, managing a lot of uh, dials spinning and buttons pushing as we are getting ready to move studios. We'll be in the new studio, I guess, in short order next week or two, so that'll be exciting. Let's talk to Joe, who's on line one. Joe, welcome to the Randy Tobler Show. Thank you for calling. Good morning, Dr. Tobler. And uh, first off, a huge thank you and high five to all the veterans and veterans' families uh, in the audience. Um, Can't tell you how much I appreciate their service and, and their sacrifice. Um, I want to follow up on uh, on uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Anders' interview, and uh, let me say it at the, at the outset: I'm I'm in complete agreement with his very principled stand on a variety of topics, including the issue of abortion. But you know, let's and you felt the butt coming, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I you know, and I sense you you have a similar mindset of, uh, I don't want to call it resignation, but just a, 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 an understanding of what time it is. And candidly, I think Dr. Under fails to read the room. Um, the, uh, the, the, the bottom line is if, if the conservative movement, I'm not going to reference Republicans, if the conservative movement wants to win elections, then we need to understand where the electorate is. And I am, I'm, I'm no Nikki Haley fan, but one thing I think she gets right is a clear understanding of not only where the electorate is, but what the numbers say in terms of uh, the House and the Senate and, and where we are relative to the ability to push legislation forward. <clears throat> Excuse me, the reality is we're in a similar place that the original GOP was when they were confronting the issue of slavery. And... They, they made a number of concessions, if you will, on the road to abolition. But, but it was a long road. And one of the clear things they understood is that they weren't going to get this menace, and that's what it was, out of our country in one fell swoop. They had to bring the culture along. They had to bring the economy along. And the way that they did that was through incremental steps, the most famous of which was the three-fifths compromise, which gets mm-hmm. completely distorted, okay? Yeah, you just you just uh, absolutely read my mind, Joe. I mean, look, they they're the founding fathers, those who were were wanted to do it then, they really they had to grit their teeth and, you know, hold their nose and compromise against their I think uh, their their spiritual uh, wishes, right? I mean, yeah, you got it right. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I mean, I don't lose sight, and uh, someday, you know, perhaps if uh, we find ourselves in the same afterlife experience, I'll ask Presidents Jefferson and Washington and others, you know, what they were thinking uh, when they had slaves running around Mont Vernon and Monticello. But you know, that's that's not a question I'm here to answer. I, I what I understand, and I'm pretty resolute in this, is that we have to read the room. And the way you read the room is by listening to people like, and, and I'm sorry, I forget the young lady's name. I actually saw that clip on social media as well. Yeah. Uh, the 15 Kelly year old. Yeah. Thank you, Kellyanne. I know you've had her on your show before. Um, yep. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's not just about this next election. It's about the next half century. And, and if we don't get clarity around that, 
um, quite frankly, you know, all the consultants in the world who, who do rub their hands together at the thought of a of an election loss that generates more revenue aren't going to have a Republican Party to support. I mean, they're and, and they're not going to have a contention in the in the electorate to support because we're going to be overwhelmed by a liberal majority, at least a center left majority that's going to run this country for the next. Well, I don't think we have 50 years. Nope, nope. And Joe, you're so right. Thank you so much for the call. I, I, I really tend to come down on, on that side of the fence because, um, if you think about your own personal and professional life, authoritarian parenting and authoritarian leadership in corporate uh, matters and, you know, those kind of things never really works as well as setting a right example, um, recognizing meeting people where they're at. And not saying that they're right in where they're at, but reminding them that there might be a better way. And, hey, let's try to work together to move in that direction. And that seems to always, in the long run, it's a harder battle. It's a longer battle. It's an exhausting battle. But that tends to always win the day in the end, not the uh, all or nothing, my way or the highway, even though I think the my way is the right way. But if you sometimes shoot for perfection, you end up getting what we're getting. And that's like... The absolute opposite. And net, net, are we going to lose more lives with this strategy? Good question. David Archibald's on the line. How you doing, David? Thank you for calling. Good to talk to you. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call, Quentin and yourself. At any rate, all I want to announce is that the end game, and I'm going to read the headline only, Interest on U.S. debt skyrockets above one trillion for the first time ever. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get my notes to you earlier, but this is hot off the press as of yesterday, November 9th. We are exploding the debt right now, not in the future, right now, and it's going to have tremendous ramifications on inflation. Uh, now I'm talking in price inflation, which is a natural result of debt inflation. And that's what's going on right now. I just wanted to get in and let your audience know that David Mark Archibald is on top of it, and I hope to keep. I hope to keep your audience advised. Yeah, well, da- da- David, there's only David. There's only one problem with your analysis. That to, to to ratchet back on the profligate spending, which is generating the debt, which will ruin this country. I mean, Moody's downgraded us to a negative view the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, you probably did, but. Come on, you got you got college students who expect to have their debt forgiven, and who cares about their children as long as their debt's forgiven? Oh, and by the way, the donors to the Republicans and the Democrats and everyone who are willing to subsidize whatever pet project that they would then with their crony capitalism gain from, hey, they don't care about today's debt or, to, or tomorrow's children. It's all about them and whether they can have a second or third house and another yacht. And come on, David, you don't get it right. Who cares about the future? It's all about me, David. That's where this country is at. I am so embarrassed to look at this, this, this 
everyone looking at everyone else and no one wants to admit the dirty, ugly truth that plunder is the word of the day. Redistribution, as long as some of it comes back to me, that's okay. And I'll wink, wink and give a conservative talk, but I won't for vote for truly conservative, limited government people. Now, is that a cynical view or is that a realistic view? Kudos to Dr. Tobler for the correct analysis. It, I couldn't have ever done it better. Kudos, Dr. Tobler. Listen to this man. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, I won't have it. I'm not going to belabor it, but I listen to your program. It's my job to keep informed. And keep you informed. And you just well, nailed it, sir. Have well, a nice day. Well, David, you know what well, I mean. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, David. And uh, look, I, David is the Paul Revere of this economy and where we're heading towards just uh, existential uh, failure. I mean, we are heading towards a cliff. And that cliff, uh, if we run over it, is going to lead to domination by the likes of China. Uh, and their growing number of allies um, and others in, uh, throughout the world. Um, a strong America means a strong economy. A strong economy is dependent on available energy. It's, a, it's also dependent on self-reliance to the extent possible, and then community and family reliance before government reliance. Uh, I don't know why those simple tenets that got us to the dance aren't uh, resonating to keep us to the dance. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we will uh, continue to follow what's going on in the world in your behalf and in your kids' behalf. The one thing we can be sure of is, though, that at least up until now and hopefully into the long future, there will be people who agree to serve this country and serve it honorably and and um, through thick and thin and mud and rain and everything else uh, fight for democracy and for our um, way of life. And uh, we thank those veterans uh, who uh, have served in the past and the veterans of the future who are presently serving today on this Veterans Day, Armistice Day, as it was called back at uh, the end of World War One. We'll wrap it up for now and take a little break. If you're out in the hunting fields today, be safe, wear that harness. And remember that faith, family, freedom with responsibility are the way back to the true north of this country. Thanks for being with me. Thank you, Quentin. We'll see you all next week. God willing, have a great weekend. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that Transfigures you and me as he died to make men whole.